0: Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design in Melbourne at RMIT University, and I'm here with uh, Harriet Edquist, who's Director of RMIT's Design Archives, and she has just produced this wonderful book, RMIT Design Archives Journal. It's the 10th anniversary issue. Well done and welcome to the program and thanks so much for coming
1: on to the program. Thanks Stephen, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Harriet, you've been really at the forefront of really pushing design in Victoria, particularly the historical side of design and people who've made such an enormous contribution to design who are often forgotten. When I picked up this wonderful archive and wonderful journal, wonderful journal, it's, it was just the people in it that some of them I'd known and, you know, like Romberg, I've known. And then some who'd been on my mind for years. And I just thought, um, Harriet's got it right and her colleagues have got it right. Tell me a little bit about, for those who don't know about the design archives at RMIT, how you started it and what's happened in the 10 years?
1: Well, um, we it started around actually 10 years ago, obviously, um, based on there was a collection that RMIT owned that was the um, Francis Burke textile resource collection and that was a collection that had started in the 1990s of um, fashion and textiles and so that's really our core collection and ten years ago the university decided to expand that collection and to collect around all design disciplines Um, and my um, intention always was that it would be a research collection, that we would really encourage um, researchers into the archives, but also we wanted archives that demonstrated design practice, whether it be a, a, an office or a single practitioner. So because RMIT has a, a great reputation for practice-based research and also for obviously for design practice across all disciplines. And that's really what we wanted to reflect. So we wanted really um, comprehensive archives that showed how design is made. And and as I say, also um, spanning the disciplines. So we do. We collect across all disciplines from, well, fashion and textiles where we started, architecture, automotive I think we're possibly the only <laughs> archive in the country that's
0: well you had an l- exhibition we, at the National Gallery that's
1: right and that's where it actually came from I mean that the Shifting Gear exhibition at the National Gallery in 2015 that was inspired by our automotive collection because we've got the collection of Phil's Mood who was the first Australian director of GMH Design Studio and that really got me going on well, why don't we know about the fact that Australians designed cars rather than simply consumed them and imported them, and that's turned out to be a really interesting story that has is still going. I mean, we're still there's still ramifications of that exhibition happening.
0: Um, Harriet, I think that the thing is with design, people often uh, put it in a, a very small box, mm-hmm. and as you said, they talk about architecture, they talk about uh, furniture. This is really. Uh, showing that it's so broad. I mean, you've got people like Richard Beck, who was uh, instrumental in the Olympic Games in 56, mm. who designed all the graphics. You've got people um, like Frederick Romberg, I've mentioned. You've got people like Wolfgang Wolfgang Sievers, um, people like Marion Fletcher, Francis Burke, even people like Joyce Coffey, uh, who did these Kemp- Kempthorne... Um, wall lights that people would have grown up with.
1: Yeah, I know. It is it is really it's interesting, actually. And um, that's what we are really about, I think. It, it's trying to reveal the fact that design is all around us. Every object around us that we use is designed by someone. And what's really interesting to certain periods before, I guess, the trade barriers went down is that Australians designed all this stuff. I mean, they designed furniture. They designed wall lighting. They designed factories. They designed... Um, Automobiles, they designed um, industrial plant. I mean, you know, the whole range. Engineering design is something we don't collect, but that's very strong in this country as well. It's hard to even know where to start. But if we looked at some of the fashion people, for mm-hmm. instance,
0: you've collected because yes. it's yeah. um, it's all chronological, um, but if we look at the fashion people, you've got fashion illustration, obviously. Yes. You've got people like Helmut Newton, who's a yes. big name in Europe, yep. huge name in Europe, yes. or you've got 600 Vogue's in your collection. I
1: know, and the, and the woman who wrote the entry for that is terribly excited because she said, we've got the best collection of Vogue's in the country. So she's very excited. She's documented them all. Even mm. people
0: like, I had a chair uh, with Fabric by Eclair and now I'm realising that was actually quite significant. And oh, yes. people often don't realise that some of these things in this archive actually are significant now and they perhaps turf them out or now I hunting know. madly for it.
1: That's right, because Eclaté went for about 20 years uh, producing woven mm. fabric to women. And there is a bit of a tradition of women setting up um, textile businesses in the mid-century or from the 1930s through to the 60s. And Eclaté were really significant, and um, they were understood to be significant by architects, by government. And, um, you know, again, again uh, trying to record that in the archives was an important story for us. One of the things we try to do is because design history is dominated by men um, for all sorts of reasons, we do try to bring women in as well you know to to where there are uh women designers of whatever kind we do try to record that so that we get some sort of balance, balance. yeah
0: well you've got people like ray ganham who yes. was a big name in the 80s very huge big name in the 80s, i mean what yeah. she did what she did and her late partner did yes. for bridge road richmond absolutely yes. was I remember phenomenal. That shop.
1: Yep. Yep. absolutely
0: phenomenal yeah. it was almost like this uh, pebble that she mm. threw into a lake yes. and the the ripple effect along mm. uh, Bridge Road was phenomenal. Yes, that's right. Why do you think she was so important?
1: Well I mean it's it's I think probably you're better.
0: <laughs> no 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 I'm asking I, I'm you. Not, <laughs>
1: um, I, th- I suppose well she was working at a, at a period in the 80s for example which was huge in Melbourne in terms of design there was just an enormous amount of activism there are a lot of people who were setting up on their own. There was, you know, startups, and it was a very active and engaged period. And lots of people started their own businesses, and it was huge and a very, very dynamic. And I think possibly, um, you know, if you look at Ray, what Ray Ganim did for Bridge Road, there were also those precincts. There was the Bridge Road Precinct, there was the uh, Chapel Street Precinct, there was the Inner City Precinct. And they exploded with these creatives, if you like. And uh, she was part of that, but she was very important.
0: I mean, it's quite sad now. When you look at fashion in 2018, it's predominantly the international labels mm. that dominate. The very small independents seem to have struggled to survive.
1: But they're still there. They are mm. struggling, but they're still, still there. They're still there. And, and there is, a, I think, a widening acceptance that that culture of the import and the throwaway is is not
0: Got good going. one architect who came to it really leapt out at me and, and really i think amongst architects is considered hmm. one of uh, an architectural hero is bernie joyce yes and yeah. really architects know of bernie joyce they do but yes the broader community no. don't know what made him so interesting
1: um well i it's i think he's one of those characters uh when i've talked to people because he taught at rmit for quite a while and I've talked to people who knew him, he was um, very charismatic. He wore black. He was possibly the first RMIT person <laughs> to dress all in black, and now everyone does. Um, and his architecture is extremely spare and very intellectual, and um, he it, it's just really sort of, if you like, pure architecture. There's nothing... It, it's just totally controlled, and he... He actually designed a lot. I mean, our our collection of his work, which is in the Joyce Nankerville collection, uh, because he worked with Bill Nankerville for quite a long time, but he also worked on his own, and he designed hundreds of houses on his own. And um, uh, another person I know, an automotive um, historian called Paul Berenjay, who in fact wrote one of the captions in the journal, um, he... When he got the journal he emailed me and said, We live in a Bernie Joyce house and he sent me a photograph of it and it's a fantastic house designed in the sixties. Totally dateless. Mm-hmm. I mean it's just one of those houses that you don't have to do anything to. It's absolutely brilliantly designed. And I think that was part of it. It was just he was just a great designer.
0: Well someone actually said to me recently an architect said what was important about Bernie Joyce, he actually pulled back all the time. Yes. He literally pulled back and You just got what you needed. needed. Mm. The only, I mean, I know a few Bernie Joyce houses around Melbourne. One are the townhouses on the corner of Anderson oh, and Main Road. yes, of course. Yes, yes. Um, and I'm always pointing yeah. them out to yeah. people. How do you find a Bernie Joyce? What, what do people look for?
1: I don't... Well, I mean, we've got the drawings. Mm. So um, if people look up online, I think they've been put online on our website. If you look in the inventory, you'll find a whole list of the houses and... Uh, We don't put the actual addresses there, but Mm. the the suburbs. But I'm rather hoping, as it happened with with, uh, Paul Berenger, that people will get in touch and tell us they've got Joyce Houses because I think he's someone that we really need to know about because he was extremely influential.
0: Why is it, Harriet, that so many of these great architects and designers have literally gone under the radar? I find that quite problematic that there are so many people in the book that really Mm. deserve so much attention. Why is it they've been ignored by the broader media? I mean, we hear about Robin Boyd mm. regularly. It's almost like, uh, you know, Robin Boyd is, is, and look, he's an architect. He was a fine architect, but he's not the only one. Why is it that, is it laziness on the media's side that, you know, when they want to talk about post-war, they just pick out Robin Boyd? No, why? no,
1: it's not. The, no, the media, it's not their fault because they work on cues. So, for example, if you presented... Um, material on another architect, say, that would be taken up. I think the media aren't expected to know all this stuff. I mean, they take what we give them. I think, I actually can't answer that question, and I think it happens in every single culture. The people go under the radar, then they get rediscovered, but I think one of the problems in Australia is we've got a very slim um, cohort of historians. There are very few design historians, there are quite a lot of architectural historians, Um, and mid-century modern is what everyone appears to be working on at the moment, less so the 19th century, for example, which, you know, you just despair of of all the great people working in the 19th century we don't know about. But I think it's, it's really historians' duty to do this. I mean, we're the people in the academy that have got the wherewithal to actually produce the histories, and they're just not being produced. And as I say, there are not a lot of design historians in Australia and one of the things about the archives, yes we do have great architectural collections but we've got fantastic design collections. Our graphic design collections are fabulous mm. and um, we're starting now to work with students of communication design who are investigating the archives and then bringing them to life in their own work and that's one way we're trying to really broaden the understanding of design by engaging um, the uh, student population so that when they go into practice they will understand where they come from and that's really important. I think that people coming through the education system know this stuff.
0: It is fascinating. I mean I'm looking at a, a Robert Pierce Oh, um, Robert Pierce. Um, We've got the, quite a lot of Robert Pierce the late there, Robert He's Pierce. a favourite. Yeah. And he's got a poster of the Hardware yeah, Club circa yeah. 1980. What's delightful in his um, uh, illustration is um, just how how pure 80s it is. The yeah, shoulder pads yeah, are almost yeah. covering the whole page. Yeah. There's that sense. I mean, um, he's obviously very influenced by what was happening at the time. Yeah. But it does sum up the period so beautifully in a couple mm. of simple images of mm. men walking up a
1: staircase. Yeah. It, I think he's he's a great um, illustrator, Robert, and he, as I say, he's one of our favourites. And what's interesting, the archive does hold work that he did for the board and for, you know, quite earnest Um, institutions like that but I think one um, thing that we like about him is that the 80s were as I say they were driven by activism so a lot of um, conventions of say exhibition design um, of interior design clubs and so forth got totally transformed in the 80s and Robert was there I mean the Fashion Design Council was a new way of of making and selling fashion the, all the clubs and the, and the um, uh, you know, dance venues and stuff in Melbourne, which were huge. I mean, he worked, he did a lot of the, um, the posters for those. So I think he is sort of like the voice, if you like, the, or the, the, the...
0: Bringing things together. He
1: just brings things together. When you look at his work, you immediately get that thing. Yeah, I remember this is what the 80s were about. And there's a great poster in there of architecture as idea, It's these young um, architects called Built Modern who are still practising under... Wood Marsh. Well, two of them are Wood Wood Marsh and then there's Dale Dale Jones Jones Evans who works in Sydney. And that was a completely new concept of an architectural exhibition. It wasn't about reproducing architecture in exhibition through photographs or anything. It was about actually asking architects to think about their role and then produce it as an idea about the idea of architecture. So they produced objects that you interpreted... It was an amazing exhibition. It really was. And that's the sort of thing, it was like breaking down all of the conventional barriers about how you do stuff. And that's, to me, what the 80s really I were I mean, what's about. so
0: important about, I think, personally about design is that it's memory. It's actually, it yeah. takes people back. Yeah. And everyone grew up with, you know, I mean, obviously, yeah. if you're 30-something, you, do, mm. you you missed out on the 80s. Mm. You know, you might have you know, there's some other the nineties would have been stronger for you yeah. early noughties. But mm-hmm. it is memory. It is it actually is. jolting that yeah. memory and yeah. and working out what was important in that yeah. period and yeah. and trying to make sense of and the people decade. do
1: I mean I think one of the things is that this is all everything in there is about our material culture and people engage with that. I mean it's their everyday life. So they remember a lamp or they remember a chair they sat on or they remember, you know, a poster they saw in the city or something. And I think it is it is recording our material culture, which is fragile, and it's very easy to, to destroy and to forget. That's what's important, I think, because it continues through. I mean, one of the things that we possibly don't realise is that Melbourne had a very, very strong um, furniture industry. It wasn't just Featherstone and Fleur. It was a whole range Fred of Ward. people. And Aristoc and... who who. Um, I mean, Chavello, lots and lots of people still going. And those are the things that I'm really interested in recording. It's 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 not only, it's really about, um, it is about design, but it's also about design and industry, I think is really important. And that's why I'm keen on the automotive designers, because they're designing for industry and that's harder to get into. It's harder to get our head around. And, and that's very... I mean, that's to record that really is quite difficult, particularly now the automotive industry is sort of gone. Gone. Well, the manufacturing part's gone, yeah.
0: Harriet, with the design archives, you mm-hmm. have so many items now, mm-hmm. thousands probably, I mean, I hate to think, mm-hmm. must be many thousand. Yeah. And you probably get inundated with people ringing or contacting you, saying, look, I've got this at home, I think you mm-hmm. might be interested how much of that turns out to be a treasure and how much turns out to be just something that sentimental but no historical um, value because it
1: well uh we we we've got a very clear collection policy so if people ring and for example someone did the other day offering some journals which were terrific journals but they weren't Australian mm-hmm. and uh, so they didn't fit our collection policy. Our, uh, we collect works by Victorians and works done in Victoria. It's a very local archive, and that's what its strength is really. You can't do everything, so we decided to do one thing well. And so we use we first the collection policy as our first port of call. If someone says that they're offering us something. If it doesn't fit into our collection policy, like if it's a vast archive of engineering, no, we wouldn't take it. But by and large, the people who do offer us um, their collections, they're things that we die for, you know. Mm. So the problem is where do we put them? I mean, just wonderful um, collections. And, yeah.
0: Harriet, what was something exciting that happened recently where someone rang you and said, I've got this. And you said, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Um, Just I'll be there in a, in a flash. Is there something that's come up recently that you thought, oh, it's been lost and then it's...
1: Well, not, not lost. I mean, I, um, oh, it's a bit difficult because until we've actually signed the donation agreement, I can't really talk about them because they don't belong to us, but a couple of things have <laughs> happened recently. And there's one architecture collection on the horizon which is very exciting. So, But one, I must say, I suppose the collection... Came in last year. Well, and um, I'm just sort of working through it now. It's going to take a very, very long time.
0: Can you but say what it is? Yes,
1: it's the Edmund and Corrigan collection of architecture, and um, Peter Corrigan, who um, passed, passed away. away at the end of 2016, and Maggie Edmund, and Matthew Corrigan. Um, Maggie Edmund and Matthew Corrigan have made sure that's come to us. It was Peter's wish. It is the most amazing. It's it's vast because it's not just the architectural drawings. It's what is really important. It's the memorabilia. It's the office um, correspondence. It's all the things you need to work out how a practice actually operates in the city. And he was such a
0: diverse character. Absolutely, he did all that
1: work for theatre. He was very active in in, in sort of politicising design, if you like, so constantly lobbying government to make sure that Victoria got a good deal in whatever was going on. And he was a real activist in... um, bringing design and architecture to the fore and really thinking about it and really talking to government all the time about how important it was that that um, that they think about these things. It, it's, it's an illuminating um, archive and, and it's certainly... An exhibition? Well there was that exhibition in 2013 of Peter Corrigan at RMIT Gallery. Um, I'm sure there will be exhibitions in the future because it's very very rich and what I'm cataloguing at the moment are um, documentation of Melbourne's theatre scene. So the very the, the, all of the documentation around setting up the um, Australian um, the Pram Factory Theatre Group, for example, the, the uh, minutes of the first meeting, all of those things. We've got a lot. That archive has a lot of that for a lot of different groups that he was involved in. So you go into these boxes of documents, and you can.
0: You just feel like you're in those You are. I
1: mean, it's, it's sort of Melbourne in the 70s and and that huge burgeoning of theatre, and it's just all documented there. It's really very exciting to, to do that.
0: Yeah. Harriet, I don't know where you find the energy. I just can't believe you've done so much in such a short time. <laughs> ah, well. And really, I think we need another Harriet Edquist to assist you because... Really, what you've done in a short time is quite phenomenal.
1: Well, I have to say that recently we've got more staff in the design archives. So I've now got a fantastic team of three people Mm -hmm. who we all work together on these projects. And that's made a huge difference, having um, extra staff that will take on a project Mm. like this. Because it is a big project. It's huge. And it it took quite a long time. (laughs) <laughs> lot of hope to get it out. <laughs>
0: um, Harriet, thanks so much for coming onto the programme. I I really think we need more of People like you, I think you are a rarity. And um, really, well, if you, <laughs> you are. And, to, and when you pick up the, the 10th anniversary issue, mm. you just realise the wealth of design that I Victoria know. has. I know. Melbourne's it's extraordinary. Just been, it it's, it's, it's overwhelming, really. It is
1: overwhelming. And I think what, what I like to think about the archives, it's sort of like an archaeology of Melbourne's design, going back to, say, the 1940s. But if I can just a little plug, all of these journals are on our website. Yeah. So um, we never publish that many hard, hard copies, but it's, everything is free up on the website. So, so. take
0: a look. Um, and look, thank you
1: so much for coming onto the program. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure.
0: You've been with Stephen Crafty, Talking Design at RMIT University in Melbourne. Thanks so much for listening.